Hello and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and today I'm joined by the incredible, it's Mr Matt Collier. Matt, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing good, thank you, Sam. How are you? I'm doing very well indeed. And today we are here for a Canadian Grand Prix review, looking at the weekend, starting on qualifying, then looking at the race, the incidents, team by team, before finishing with our driver of the day. Let's get straight into it, looking at qualifying at the Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. And it was pretty action-packed, and it definitely set up a good race on Sunday. Matt, what stood out to you from qualifying? Well, I'll, I'll start with even practice. Um, FP3, um, same day as qualifying, obviously. Saw Lonzo fastest, uh, Gasly second fastest, and Vettel third fastest in a very wet um, FP3, which kind of set up qualifying of who looked really quick um, in the wet conditions. Um, yeah, very surprising uh, FP3, you know, no Red Bull or Ferrari in it. Uh, but on to qualifying, there's plenty to digest. Um, I'll try my best to remember everything. Um, but yeah, it was heavy, heavy rain, um, a lot of inters, wets, and for someone, uh, softs. Um, but yeah, both Hasses qualified uh in the top 10 i think it was p5 and p6 um there were some shocks down the field um i remember watching it and perez was just really struggling in those uh wet conditions and it was like one place above the drop zone but still managed to get through to q2 but then once he got into q2 um ended up crashing in into the wall uh the famous uh, vettel hamilton corner and yeah, Lando Norris also was out in Q2, just didn't have much pace. I think he had some ish power issue or something, so he had to pull into the pits. And yeah, Vettel qualifying P17 after looking so good in FP3. Um, he was very angry over the radio. Uh, he didn't quite realise that the radio button was still on. He was <laughs> swearing. And yeah, there were also a few grid penalties uh, along the way as well. So Leclerc took part of qualifying, qualified P15, but then obviously with grid penalty, went to the back of the grid. Um, you also had uh, Fernando Alonso, who had an exceptional qualifying, qualifying P2. And then another penalty was uh, Yuki Sonoda. So he also started at the back of the grid and yeah, there's so much to digest from qualifying. Um, you can always fill me in if I missed anything. Yeah, no, I think you've pretty much covered all of it. The big shock was actually Vettel, which is quite weird. Qualifying, it all getting knocked out in Q1. For an Aston Martin this year, you would, you would normally go, well, that's not that much of a shock. Maybe with Vettel, it's a bit more of a shock, but... It's not too much of a shock, but the fact that he looked so strong in practice and then they decided, you know what, let's just change the setup for qualifying and send Vettel out there. And it had an awful effect on him, had a massive detrimental effect and he could get a Q1. And I don't blame Vettel for being annoyed about that. Why fix something that works perfectly fine when you're already lapping quicker than cars that have been much stronger this year 
I don't know. They shouldn't have changed it. But yeah, Perez, as you said, crashing, causing a red flag, frustrating. He didn't look very strong anyway. You mentioned Russell on the soft tyres. That was a that was a bit of fun. I mean, it was it was ambitious. I think uh, Jensen Button called it stupid, but I, I I liked the optimism. But yeah, to wrap up uh, qualifying, it finished Verstappen on pole, Alonso second with signs in third, and it set up a. I definitely think it enhanced the race on Sunday but Matt what did you think about the race do you think it was one of the better ones yeah I very much enjoyed it um the grid was very mixed uh you had Leclerc going from the back of the grid flying his way through um you had two Hasses fifth and sixth you had Alonso second um yeah the grid was really mixed which Provided a really good race, in my opinion. So, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I definitely think it was decent. Qualifying did at wonders. The wet weather qualifying did do at wonders. And that mixed grid, like combined with the Leclerc's grid penalty, meant that there was always a narrative cars making their way up the field and wondering how far can they go. There wasn't really wheel-to-wheel action, as most of the overtakes were done in the two DRS zones, but that seems to be what F1 is at the moment. It is just getting to a DRS zone and cruising past them, which uh, Fernando Alonso found out, as that's what happened to him most of the time. He was just a sitting duck while everyone accelerated past him. But I think it was a, I think it was a decent race, and qual- qualifying, I think, was better than the race. But qualifying also set up uh, the race, make it better than it could have potentially been. But now let's look at the incident report. And this week, there isn't really too much to talk about. There's only one real talking point starting on lap eight. And that was the first DNF of the race. And Sergio Perez had a nightmare weekend and this really put the nail in the coffin after a poor qualifying on the Saturday. He pulled to the side of the track following a gearbox failure, which triggered a virtual safety car. Then on lap 20, Schumacher pulled to the side of the track with a mechanical failure. On lap 49, Yuki Tsunoda decided this race needs a safety car and drove into a wall at turn two coming out of the pits. I mean... Fair play to him, provided some late race drama. And then the only real talking point was post-race, and that was Fernando Alonso getting a five-second penalty for weaving on the straight when defending against Bottas, and that dropped him two places from, I think it was seventh to ninth. Matt, I mean, we've both seen the footage of this incident do you think a five-second penalty was warranted? Yeah, very much uh, so. He was. I think he moved his car like four times as well. Um, Alonso had a power unit issue, so it was a second slow enough to manage that for uh, the majority of the second half of the race. And yeah, it happened on the last lap. Um, Bottas was behind and Bottas had the much speed and the momentum on Alonso. Alonso just kept moving from side to side to side. And yeah, the FIA are definitely a lot 
stricter this year compared to last year. Um, I think Stroll had some like weaving um, a few races back, and yeah, it's good to see the FIA tightening up on these uh, weaving and penalties. So yeah, it was definitely deserved that that penalty for Alonso. Yeah, I completely agree. There's quite a lot of people that thought this was harsh and thought that, well, he's just defending. You can't penalise him for defending. But at the end of the day, this is a this is a rule. You can't weave. You're allowed to make one defensive action and then go back to the racing line like to prepare for a corner. But that's as much as you're allowed to do. And as you said, he was weaving side to side. Was it particularly dangerous? Not really, but it's weaving, it's a regulation, it's an easy five-second penalty. So I think the FI got, got that one right. And as you said, it's good to see them tightening tightening up with it and just making sure that people who break the rules are penalised because that wasn't always the case in previous years. Let's talk about the te- every team. Let's go to the team-by-team breakdown starting with Red Bull and it seemed like a a bit of a mixed bag with them for one side of the garage it was first to first with Max Verstappen a great qualifying he is just so strong in the wet and then was clinical on the Sunday and then for Sergio Perez 13th in qualifying after crashing causing a red flag to a DNF with a gearbox problem, which of course isn't his fault. So they got 25 points over the weekend. But how do you look at Red Bull's weekend? Um, yeah, you basically explained it. It's probably going to be a bit mixed. Um, obviously, Verstappen's doing everything that he can, winning the races. I think he's won like six in a row now. And he's now got more podiums than Sebastian Vettel when he was at Red Bull. So yeah, Verstappen's literally doing everything he can and yeah Perez DNFing is a bit of a worry for like reliability um yeah all these reliability problems have definitely spiced up um both the constructors and drivers and yeah they'll be be a bit concerned that maybe these issues will eventually get to Verstappen but yeah I still think they'll be happy maybe slightly worried about uh Perez's pace in wet wet conditions um we'll have to see throughout the season if Perez can improve his like wet into pace but yeah as you said 25 points for a staff and you can't really complain from his point of view yeah I think the thing with Perez is as soon as I saw it was wet quality I was quite concerned because he's really mixed in wet conditions for example you go back to Turkey a few years ago where Lance Stroll put his his, uh, racing point on pole and he finished second he put in a really good qualifying lap second on the grid but then you come to this one and he was really struggling to put a lap time in before his crash which he's actually in rehabilitation because he's got something to do with his neck he's injured his neck so he's going through rehabilitation to be 100% for the British Grand Prix which is interesting they expect him to make a full recovery of course and it's only a minor thing but interesting nevertheless and then yeah Verstappen he's just so good in all conditions I I was looking at it the other day and I genuinely think if he, if he keeps getting the car, he could break 
Hamilton's record. And if even if he doesn't, I think he could potentially run him close because, yes, he's aggressive. Yes, does he bend the rules sometimes and push the limits to their real extreme? Yes, but he's just an unbelievable racing driver and give him the right car and wow, you can get some unbelievable results. But yeah, mixed bag for Red Bull. Now onto Ferrari, Red Bull's biggest rivals. And they did gain ground on a Red Bull this weekend, getting 29 points, including the fastest lap. So you had Charles Leclerc, who, as you mentioned earlier, was taking an engine penalty. So started 19th, finishing 5th. In which is quite a good result for him, to be fair. It could have potentially been more. And then Carlos signs from third to second with the fastest lap. And, wow, he did run Verstappen close, to be fair. What do you evaluate from Ferrari? Um, I think they'll be very pleased, considering Leclerc started from the back, uh, finished fifth, um, Carlos Sainz uh, finished second, got the fastest lap as well. So it's not like Verstappen, you know, had nailed absolutely everything. He didn't quite get the fastest lap, which kind of shows how much pace uh, Science had during the race. And yeah, as you explained earlier, 29 points uh, compared to Verstappen's 25. So to gain points from Red Bull with a car starting last, um, yeah, I think they'll be very pleased. And of course, Leclerc's taken loads of new uh, components. So that's always a good thing. So, yeah, I think they'll be very pleased. Yeah, it was as successful a weekend as they could have potentially hoped for. I mean, Sainz could have put a bit more pressure on Verstappen on the last lap, but did lock his tyres going into one of the last corners, which kind of ruined his hopes. But, yeah, as you said, they, they can be happy with a car climbing very high and another car getting fastest lap and putting lots of pressure on the leader and gaining points on their major rival. It can only be a successful weekend. And another competitor to Red Bull, well, kind of competitor to Red Bull, we'll see how the season goes, is Mercedes. And they also gained points on them, getting 27 points this weekend with George Russell qualifying eighth. It could have been higher if he didn't take a chance on those uh, soft tyres. But hey-ho, eighth isn't the worst quality. To finish fourth, continuing his streak of top five every race. I'm going to be so sad when it ends. And then Lewis Hamilton from fourth to third. Getting good points again, looking more reliable despite some problems in practice. How do you look at Mercedes over the course of the Canadian weekend? Um, yeah, they're, they're slowly improving. Um, I think the biggest factor that's keeping them uh, doing well, to be honest, is their reliability. Um, yeah, the only team not to have a single DNF kind of shows how well they're doing. And yeah, to think that Russell, I think it's like less than 20 points off Leclerc. And yeah, even outscored Leclerc this weekend. And yeah, Mercedes didn't look very quick in practice. I think they were like P13 or P8 at one point. And yeah, to finish third and fourth, um, I think they'll be very pleased. And yeah, as you said, score more points than 
Red Bull and yeah, if they can get on top of this porpoising and bouncing and because they, they've got a quick car. I mean, I think it was Miami. They were like extremely quick. I think Russell was like top of the practice sessions in like two or three and they look they look really strong. So it's just about sorting out the porpoising and the bouncing and we'll have to see uh, how they do throughout the season. So yeah, I think I'll be very pleased. Yeah, it is a case with Mercedes that they've got a lot of potential in their car. They just need to extract it. And I think the drivers believe it as well. I think Hamilton really echoed that in his radio message at the end of the race with upgrades, big upgrades in coming for Great Britain in what is probably a last-ditch attempt to make a title fight for the team, for the constructors. It's Mercedes is definitely the most intriguing team just to see what they can produce. But gaining points on Red Bull, even if it's only two, it's a positive weekend. Third and fourth are very solid. And now we've gone from the highs of the top three teams of the constructors to what can only be described as a shambolic weekend for McLaren, picking up zero points with Lando Norris qualifying 14th and finishing 15th and then Ricardo starting ninth in a good qualifying session for him and then finishing 11th. Matt, there were many issues in McLaren this weekend, but talk me through your thoughts on them. Um, once again, Ricardo has no race pace. Um, it's just so strange. He always seems okay in qualifying then when he gets to the race his pace just drops off um as you said earlier qualified p9 and yeah he finished p11 i mean the guy in front of him stroll qualified p18 so that kind of just shows how poor ricardo's race pace was and yeah lando norris qualifying p14 um he definitely has some issues in that qualifying session and yeah, the fact that he finished 15th, um, maybe the McLaren just wasn't suited to this track. But in the bigger picture, McLaren have, need to be very careful in the constructors because if they're not careful, Alpine could uh, easily overtake them in the next three races. So, yeah, uh, they'll definitely be concerned at McLaren. Yeah, I mean, not just Alpine, but Alfa Romeo also catching them. I think what epitomised their weekend was the double stat pit stop, which was just one of the worst double stats I've seen in such a long time. With Daniel Ricciardo coming in first and then them having a slow release with him because they couldn't get a tyre on, which slowed down Lando already. And then Lando going in, then putting the wrong front left tyre on, and then them taking it off and then them putting a, a hard front left tyre on and then the guy at the right front being like, what tyres are we putting on? And it just went on for so long and it was just such, it was awful. It was so bad. With McLaren coming into this year, showing off their new pit stop guns, like, oh, we're going to be, we're going to dethrone Red Bull as the best pit stop team with their new technology. And this was just the worst pit stop we've had this year. 
I mean, I can't think of any that come close. It was shambolic and it compromised Lando. I mean, at the end of the day, as you said there, both of them really struggled with pace and the car didn't look that competitive, but at least Norris would have, a, would have had a bit of a fighting chance without this error. But yeah, it's just a big cock up from McLaren and a very poor weekend and their chasers Alpine had I think it's quite hard to assess Alpine this weekend because while they got good points it could have potentially been more they did get 10 points with Alonso qualifying second finishing ninth after his five second penalty demoted him two places and then Esteban Ocon qualifying seventh and finishing sixth how do you look at Alpine's weekend um, it could have been so much more, as you said, Alonso qualifying P2. You know, if he finished P2, he would have got 18 points, uh, but he dropped all the way down to ninth um, with the inclusion of his five-second penalty for weaving. And, yeah, Alonso had the power issue, as it explained. He was, like, second slower. Um, but, yeah, they, they still got 10 points, and... Yeah, they're, they're slowly catching McLaren and, yeah, they had the potential to score a lot more, but I still think they'll be pleased getting 10 points. And, yeah, Ocon's doing another solid job, uh, you know, qualified P7, finished P6. And, yeah, I still think they'll be pleased, but they could have been a lot more. Yeah, this could have been, if they didn't have the engine problem with Alonso, it could have potentially been the race where they overtook McLaren in the constructors because it is very close. Yeah, I completely agree. It could have been more. It was unfortunate for Alonso. The weaving on the straight was blatant, so he did compromise his team there, but he was just trying to make up for the for the lack of engine that he had because, of course, he had that problem. And Esteban Ocon just does his job, really. He's... Becoming what I feel like Gasly's been in the last few years, he kind of goes under the radar a bit and just puts in great results pretty much weekly at this point. A very solid effort from him. Alpine have a fantastic driver lineup. Now to Alfa Romeo, who last week, I'm pretty sure I remember you saying that they are declining in their performance. Well, this weekend, they were back strong and getting 10 points, exactly the same as Alpine, also gaining on McLaren. They had Valtteri Bottas, who after qualifying 11th, finished 7th. So some very solid points from him. And Zhou Guan Yu, he finished a race. And not only did he finish a race, but, well, first of all, let's go to qualifying. He qualified in 10th, so he qualified above Bottas for the second race in a row but in the race he came eighth securing his best finish in Formula One and I'm so happy for him but looking at the team as a whole how do you assess Alfa Romeo you were very pessimistic about them last week yeah I was and they kind of surprised me very much this week um yeah I was kind of surprised how good their pace was in the into wet conditions and yeah, one new Joe had another brilliant race. Um, Bottas decided to go very long with his first stint, uh, 
similar to Fernando Alonso in a way. And yeah, Fernando Alonso decided not to pit from the two VSCs. And I think Bottas benefited from the second one, uh, which kind of brought him you know, higher up the grid. And yeah, to finish sixth and eighth, um, they'll be very pleased. And yeah, it was good. To, it was nice to see Wanyu Joe actually like overtaking cars because um, normally just gets reliability problems and doesn't actually get to have a proper race. Um, yeah, did a nice overtake on Stroll, I think it was. And yeah, he, he looks a lot more comfortable in the car. And yeah, to get 10 points, I think they'll be very happy. Um, last time out, I was kind of questioning their pace and all of a sudden they, I don't know, they flicked the switch of some sort and um, yeah, deleted all the reliability problems for this week so uh yeah i think they'll be very pleased yeah they'll definitely been be pleased and they're in a very interesting midfield fight but the other alpha team alpha towery won't be as pleased as they <coughs> pick up zero points this weekend and it's so strange because you never really know what's going to happen with these midfield teams because Last week, it was Alpha Tauri look good again and Alpha Romeo are on a decline. And then all of a sudden, they flip the switch and Alpha Tauri are picking up zero points and Alpha Romeo are getting very solid points. As they had Yuki Sonoda, who started 20th and then drove into a wall and DNF. And then you had, on the other side of the garage, Pierre Gasly, who put in a very poor qualifying in 15th and then finished 14th in a very poor race. I mean, Alpha Tauri, what can you really assess from this weekend? Where, what is their pace? Are they a good team? Are they a bad team? So many questions surrounding them. Yeah, as we said before, you just don't know what you're going to get with the Alpha Tauri. Uh, one race, it looks really good, and the other, it should be nowhere near the points. And yeah, this race, they're very much very far from the points um yeah i mean e- even in qualifying like gasly p16 uh it's not the gasly we normally used to see in the alpha towery and yeah with uh france toss announcing that he's going to be an alpha towery next year um gasly's hoping that they kind of make it a, a better car because for me i think G- gasly deserves to be in a lot a lot faster car and yeah, he just had no pace this weekend. Um, Yuki Snowda obviously started from the back of the grid. And yeah, I don't know. Gassi just completely dropped off. Um, it was quite funny when Yuki Snowda pit. He, <laughs> he came out the pits and it just, it's almost like Jeff put put the wrong tyres on. And he just went straight on. <laughs> or, or someone... Um, threw some money in the crowd saying, give me a safety car or something. Um, but yeah, they, they literally had no pace this weekend. Um, you don't know what you're going to get with them. And yeah, lots of other teams gained points. Um, so I think I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, there we go. We have the title now. Max accuse, uh, Matt accuses Yuki Sonoda of race fixing. There we go. There's, a, there's the title. We'll put it in the thumbnail as well. But yeah, that was such a bizarre incident where when you pit onto new tyres, of course they're going to be cold. You need to just, you know, be careful, warm them up and then get them to prime race um, temperature. And 
he just just forgot all of that and just thought, let's just go flying out the pits. And he flew into a wall at a really hilariously slow pace. It wasn't even that fast. But yeah, bizarre incident. It shows his inexperience. And then on the other side, the garage, Gasly, just couldn't do anything with the car. The final team that got points this weekend was Aston Martin, who picked up a singular point with Sebastian Vettel coming from 16th to 12th and Lance Stroll from 17th to 10th, picking up a very solid point. How do you look at Aston Martin's weekend? I mean, the singular point has lifted them above Haas in the constructors, which could be crucial. Yeah, I know one point doesn't look amazing, but considering that your rivals, um, that you were level on points, were qualified P6, then P5 and P6 is pretty good going, to be honest. Um, yeah, so they're now above Haas in the constructors. And yeah, for Stroll to get a point, I think he had a very good race. Um, Vettel just had so much bad luck uh, this weekend. Um, you know, qualified well, he's top three in FP3, and yeah, to qualify 17th and finish 12th, it just wasn't the weekend for him. I, I feel like he definitely could have got points if he had a bit more luck and had the setup they had in FP3. Um, but yeah, Stroll had a great race, did loads of good overtakes, and yeah, I still think they'll be pleased with how they've done, getting that one point to move above Haas. Yeah, as you said, the importance of one point can't be overstated, especially when it's as close as that is. It was funny coming into the weekend when Sebastian Vettel was asked about what he thinks of Canada, and he was like, well, I won the last race, of course, calling back to the controversial incident where Hamilton was awarded the victory after he got a five-second penalty and Vettel had such a great last practice session and then they changed the setup and it ruined him which was such a shame because it had been another car which you'd say was out of position and would be another challenge for the cars rising up the order and then Lance Stroll very happy for him his home race to see him do well Good on him, especially when there's a lot of haters around that man at the moment. Now to Haas, you mentioned qualifying P5 and P6. Surely they did well. Well, no, they finished 17th with Magnussen in the final position that was classified and then Mick Schumacher not DNFing with a mechanical failure. So... Matt, you spoke a few weeks ago calling them a a quali car and has there been a race that has illustrated this more? Yeah, I mean, this race kind of sums up P5, P6 and I do feel so sorry for Mick, bless him. Uh, qualifying P6, I definitely feel like he could have scored points if he had a reliable car because... Yeah, he, he looked a lot better in qualifying. And, yeah, Magnussen, uh, it's not the first time him and Hamilton have uh, touched and uh, it's gone horribly wrong. And, yeah, th- there'll probably be debates about whether he should have got a black and orange flag for his front wing, like, skewed. Um, but as I said, FIA 
definitely tightening up safety and penalties. And yeah, I, I think he was I'm just trying to remember where I think he was like P5, P6 around there when it happened. And yeah, he, he just completely dropped because he had to change his front wing. And yeah, from then on in, I think he climbed to 11th and then he just dropped off again. And yeah, I, I don't know what happened with him because somehow finished behind Latifi kind of just explains how terrible his weekend was. And yeah, Mick DNFing, uh, I do feel sorry for him. And yeah, it's just, it's just weird with his Haas. I don't know if it's got loads of potential or if the drivers just can't unlock the full potential. It's, it's very, very weird. And yeah, Aston Martin getting at one point in that they're now ninth in the constructors. And yeah, you just don't know what you're going to get with Haas. It's a bit of a, bit of a mystery. Yeah, it is a mystery, but it does look like, in my opinion anyway, that if they're going to find the potential, it'll be Kevin Magnus and who finds it. He was unfortunate in the race because, to be fair, he should have probably backed out of it because there was no way he was going to make a move around that corner. And that did cost him in the end getting that damage. But I think in the race, he looks solid. He just needs to cut out these little mistakes and not be so hyper-aggressive, but that just is the epitome of Kevin Magnussen, really. And then Schumacher, the amount of people that were panicking this weekend because they made bets with their friends. Oh, I said I'd get a Schumacher tattoo if he finally got points. And will that day ever come? I mean, I hope so. I do feel really bad for him. No, nothing is going right for him this season. He finally got in a, in the car and felt comfortable on the Saturday, and then his car fell apart on the Sunday, which is unfortunate. We'll see as the season goes on what will happen, see if he can get some points. But it's, it's unfortunate, but hopefully he can prove those doubters wrong. And finally, on to Williams, who picked up zero points with Alex Albon, qualifying 12th, finishing 13th, and Nicholas Latifi qualifying 18th after Sonoda and Leclerc would move down and finishing 16th with only Magnussen behind him. Williams, what is their pace? I mean, Albon's just out-driving Latifi at the moment, even though... This is the circuit that Latifi should know best. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange with Williams. You kind of don't know what you're going to get. You know, one race Latifi finishes above Albert and then Albon finishes above Latifi. Um, but yeah, I, I think Albon was a bit unlucky uh, this weekend because he was in this gaggle of like four or five cars. It's like a train and... Yeah, I think I think when he pitted, it was quite early on. He just completely dropped down the field and was never able to go back up on places that he lost. And yeah, thirteenth foul bomb, the Tiffy sixteenth. Um, they definitely have to buck their ideas together with developing the car and trying to find pace because um, they've got quite a lot of points to to gain on like the likes of Haas and Aston Martin. And yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see how it goes throughout the season, but it's, it's not looking promising. Yeah, it's not looking good for Williams. That's definitely fair to say. 
it's just weird. I don't really know what to say about them. There's a few teams. This is just such a strange year because never before have we had this many penalties for changing parts this early in the season. We've never... The table, we've got everyone in the constructors with at least a few points. Last year with Haas, who got none throughout the season. And we're not even halfway through the season. It's a strange year. First year of the regulations, it was always going to be with predictions made at the start of the season that now look stupid, a.k.a. me thinking Bottas and Joe would be the bottom two and the drivers, which is looking like a horrible prediction now. But, yeah, we don't really know what we could get with most of the teams, and Williams definitely one of them. They could have a resurgence in the second half of the season. Who knows? As Newport parts are brought to teams, maybe we'll have a completely different grid than the one we have now. But let's now move on to driver of the day. Matt, who have you gone for? Um, I've gone for one new Joe. Um, at the start of the season, he looked miles off Bottas and Bottas looked exceptional and it looked like one new Joe could get nowhere near him. But in the last few races, uh, he's qualified above him. And this weekend, he had a brilliant race. Um, you know, getting into Q3, qualifying P10 with Bottas, P11, and, you know, all, all the experience Bottas has got and in his rookie season to you know, start out qualifying Bottas is very good for a rookie. And yeah, he had a brilliant race, no reliability problems, finished P4. And yeah, it was just a very solid weekend. And he's finally getting the luck he deserves. And yeah, can't really say much else. It's just a good weekend for him. Yeah, very good race and weekend for Zhou Guan Yu. I was so happy with him or for him when he crossed the line and just seeing that his car had no problems, he was getting good points because he has deserved more than he's got this season. But a P8 finish is a fantastic way to prove those critics wrong who said he didn't deserve to get the seat. And my driver of the day is someone else who has had their critics, I think it's fair to say, I've gone for Lance Stroll, the hometown hero who every weekend gets criticised for not deserving to be in the sport. The only reason he's in the sport is because you're a pay driver, because your dad owns the team. And listen, there's definitely a fair argument for that. There is definitely a reason they're saying that. But this weekend, or last weekend now, he proved his worth after a poor qualifying, which wasn't down to him with uh, with his teammate Vettel, only qualifying one place above him, he climbed through the order to secure the crucial point, which puts Aston Martin ahead of Haas in the constructors. And I just had to go with him because I, I was cheering him on this weekend because you want the people at their home race, the drivers at their home race to do well. And to put on a show for the crowd. And he gained seven places during the race and a top 10 finish in the Aston Martin. Very solid, beating Vettel. And we know how quick Vettel is. Vettel has so much experience and finished two places above him despite qualifying behind him. So Lance Stroll, I've gone for him. He has his critics, but 
for me, no complaints, very good weekend for him. And that wraps up our review of the Canadian Grand Prix. Thank you for listening. Remember to like and subscribe on the YouTube. Remember to download, interact on all streaming platforms, whatever you need to do to raise our profile. But if you want to stay up to date with everything we have going on at the Scenario Sun podcast, the links are in the bio to stay up to date with what we have going on. And next race is the British Grand Prix. We'll have you a preview. We'll have you a fantasy show and a review. But thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one.